The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, giddy up. Welcome to the Failure to Stop podcast channel, the number one show where police meet society and culture. You're doing again night shift episode one of four episodes that we come out with on this channel tonight is uh night shift brought to you by myself and the beautiful and audacious andrea up late good evening andrea happy valentine's day tonight's show is brought to you by happy valentine's day oh there's that 10 second delay that we've we've missed for so long it wouldn't be a proper valentine's day without that huge 10 second delay hopefully that clears up here pretty soon tonight's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com if you're not laying your lady down on a ghost bed tonight well i feel sorry for you uh i got 99 problems but that's not one and uh andrea right you can back me up on this so every girl wants to be laid down on a ghost bed tonight I, I would agree. So I would agree with that. Yes. Good. hundred yep. percent. Yeah. Finally, we agree on Buy something. One. Finally, we agree on something. Um, if you want to support the show, hit the like button. If you're watching live on YouTube, the majority of our following is on podcast, but we do have uh, just over 50 or 60 folks in the live chat at this time. And that'll grow overnight. So we sometimes address the live chat, but if you want to like and support the show, head over to iTunes or Spotify and leave that five-star rating and review. It really helps us out. Let's other sponsors know that you really care about us. It also helps with those iTunes ratings, those Podbean ratings. Um, so uh, the old five-star review and rating is huge for us. Uh, other than that, we have our meetup on April 12th in Clayton, North Carolina, just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, if you were interested in coming, there's a lot of people coming in. There is a hotel walking distance from the studio and from the distillery in which we will be uh, hosting the meetup at both those locations. If that's something that interests you and you want to come to that, just go ahead and DM us at failure to stop on Instagram and uh, we'll get you taken care of, let you know where everybody's staying. And uh, it's going to be a great first responder night. First responders from all over the place will be there. A couple of special guests, some live music uh, and the whole shebang. That's going to be Wednesday, April well, other than that, is there any true crime news before we dive into tonight's topic, which is Stockholm Syndrome, the true story, the whole story of the Stockholm Syndrome case? Uh, it's going to be broken down yeah. by our true crime expert, Andrea. But other than that, is there any true crime news updates? Anybody else in the true crime community getting, getting sentenced or, or anything of the... Any trials going to good? Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll start off with um, like again, we're going to talk about Murdoch probably at least through next week because uh, they they hope to maybe wrap up next week. We'll see. We will definitely talk about it next Tuesday. See what's going on there. Um, but today wrapped up. I think week four, if I'm not mistaken, of um or midweek of week four of testimony. There, we do know that uh. Uh, Maggie and Paul, Alex's wife and son, who were found dead. He is charged with their death. Uh, they were found by the kennels at the hunting property. So today we hear from Roger Dale Davis, who worked for the Murdaws <clears throat> for a few years, caring for the pets and the hunting dogs. Um, he talks about how he was meticulous with his job. He was very, uh, um, he did things tediously and efficiently. Uh, and he talked about today how he took care of the animals and hosed out their pens in a very particular way. 
when he viewed photos of the dog kennel crime scene and he stated that things were not the way he left them that day. Uh, he pointed out that the water, uh, the water hose in the crime scene photo was twisted, kinked, not rolled up properly. <clears throat> Excuse me. The way he would have uh, maybe handled it. He washed and washed his hands or something. Well, so that's kind of the argument is that he used that to try to clean himself or the crime scene. Again, remember he was um, 100% clean when he met up with police. He was wearing a clean shirt, all the things, but he smelled like laundry detergent. But when he gave his timeline, he never, he never in his alibi had said anything about going to change clothes or wash clothes or anything like that. He said he was at his dying father's residence. Um, so that's kind of the thought behind the water hose looking off. Um, he said basically that, that he he wouldn't have left it that way. Uh, and he said it's also unusual to see water that pools up in certain places of the kennels that he saw in the crime scene photos. He said that uh, somebody used that hose after I did, and I've never, you know, it's, it doesn't generally ever look like that. So that's Murdaugh in a nutshell. Oh, we do also have... Um, David Newell, who is a fuel performance and data analyst with General Motors, took the stand today. Uh, we now have the data or prosecutors have the data of like from his truck so they can more specifically see exactly where he drove that night and when. Um, this is something that SLED and the Attorney General's office had previously tried to, they sent a search warrant to try to obtain this. At the time, GM didn't have this information. Uh, and now they say they have more data, so they are able to get that to prosecutors. So that will. Be I don't know if I like that. Um, that's actually a really big one. I don't well, know if I they like... didn't have it, and now they did. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like that you can like go back to the car that you're driving and then get that data and that information of where you were in that vehicle and at that time. Like, that's like you have zero privacy. <laughs> anymore like they can pull your phone no, there's throw your phone privacy. away they can go but i mean the only time that really matters go ahead no 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 i was waiting on your 10 second delay um no i i no i i just think that that's like yeah you say it's the only time is is now for right now uh but you know what happens if you commit a crime that maybe you don't think is a crime. Maybe you think that the government should do one thing and not the other. And, you know, I don't know, man. I don't like, I don't like that you can right. be tracked so easily. But I mean, I feel like we have our phones in our hands every single day. Yeah. But if I commit and, a crime, I'm going to track from those. my phone in the lake. But now I didn't even know that they could go and pull your GM truck data. Well, you know, now do it. Now. Commit your crimes as a pedestrian to go get me a 1998 Ford Contour. Just be a pedestrian and commit all your crimes on foot. <laughs> and don't wear an Apple Watch. Okay. Anything else? <laughs> what about my smart yeah, power? Um, my smart... So not much on <laughs> Idaho. <laughs> not much on... Um, Idaho, we do, we've learned that Brian Koberger, the suspect in the murders of the four students there, did follow three of the victims on Instagram, uh, the three females. Uh, they did not follow him back, but it shows that he, which shouldn't be surprising because we've learned uh, that his cell phone has pinged around their residence in the days and weeks leading up to their death. 
But uh, he so he did, in fact, follow the three girls on social media. Uh, he hit him with that follow for follow also, and they didn't follow back. Now he's like, you know what? Mm-mm. No, that's not how that that's, that's right. not how that game's played. I said follow for follow. That's right. Do you follow everyone back that follows you? If it's follow for follow and I follow them, then or they follow me, I follow back. I, of course, I don't do follow for follow up. It's just joking, but that's the game, right? Like if you do the follow for follow game thing, if they use hashtag follow for follow, is that a game? It's a thing. It's a thing oh. that the kids do. Hashtag follow for follow. Are you a millennial? Uh, eighty four. I don't know. I don't know. If that's... I don't know how that is. Well, I'm not a boomer. Well, I was born in '67. Like you. <laughs> I know. So, also, we have. Uh, we'll touch on it uh, yesterday. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. February thirteenth was the Michigan the shooting at uh, Michigan State University, and so uh, we have someone who killed three people got on campus, killed three, wounded five, uh, and then turned the gun on himself. So that's something we'll be following up on. And sounds like he kind of took care of it himself there, but that's, uh, some of the newest, newest news there. We don't really have anything left for Delphi or anything else right now. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who are out there, uh, internet has been super bad in, in Clayton, North Carolina. Uh, not sure what's going on today, but but about and every two today. minutes throughout the day, my internet has been dr- completely dropping, completely no no internet. So uh, even though that we're I'm hard- hardwired in, my internet's always the best. Um, even being hardwired in tonight, I don't know what's going on with the with the Wi-Fi's in the town of Clayton. But Andrea has also said she's have has had in- internet problems, so um, probably won't affect. Yeah, I'm the- hardwired in as well. Yeah, well, you know, it's just the end times, guys. It's the end times. So get what you can while you can because it's going to get a lot darker uh, in the next couple of months. I'd say we're a full World War Three by summer. So, um, But I do have a mullet, and so I can die happy. I've always wanted one. Now I have one, and uh, so I'm ready to go. Okay, let's dive into this case that you have for us tonight. I'm, I'm really excited. Stockholm syndrome is something important to me because I've been, you know, inflicting that on you uh, probably since I knew you then, which is why you call me master accidentally sometimes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It's true. Um, So tonight we are talking about Stockholm Syndrome. With this comes a few other diagnoses that we can talk a little bit about on the side or maybe even save for a whole different show. Uh, But many of you may not know how this term was coined and that there was an actual event that took place in Stockholm uh, that uh, that eventually became studied by a psychiatrist far and wide, hence the name Stockholm Syndrome. So... Stockholm syndrome is basically defined as a psychological condition that begins or erupts after someone has been held hostage, um, kidnapped. You see it in a lot of kidnappings, hostage situations, uh, 
a lot of traumatic events where you have a captor and captees. Uh, and it's when the people who are held captive can develop like a bond. It's actually now referred to as trauma bonding uh, rather than Stockholm syndrome, but they can form an ir- or like a um, unusual bond, feelings of affection, uh, in a bizarre way, feelings of trust uh, for, for the person who is holding them captive. So that's what Stockholm syndrome is. If you've not heard about it, conversely, there's something called Lima syndrome, which is just the opposite. So that's where the captor starts to have these feelings, um, bonding feelings, feelings of adoration for the person he's holding captive. Um, and not in like the kind of creepy way of why he or she might be holding them captive to start with, but what, I don't want to know. Um, I don't have that for we you. We can talk about I that. That actually that came about same. I know. I know. I know. It's fine. It's, I haven't uh, fallen for you. I, this is. Um, I just hold you captive uh, because I want to. Um, but I'm definitely not attracted yeah. to you in any way, shape, or form. And uh, and, I, and I don't like you. I, I just know, like to torture you. Unreciprocal. Um, No, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. part of your charm. Day. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, oh goodness! All right, so we can talk about Lima. That actually, um, that's that came to be from a situation that happened in Lima, Peru. So we can talk about that at another time. But tonight, we're going to start with the case that like I said, coined the term Stockholm syndrome, but then we're going to talk about a few other cases that have been famous in the news in the past few decades uh, that exhibit just that. Uh, So we're going to start with, well, Stockholm, Sweden. So please forgive my mispronunciation of basically all of the names that I'm going to say tonight. So we're going to start with um, Jean, Jan, Jan Eric Olsen said the two last names we'll talk about a lot are Olsen and Olofsson. All right. So just put your your listening ears on. So uh, Eric Olsen was on leave from prison, meaning he had a furlough. So he was trusted, even though he has, he had a pretty decent rap sheet in and out for a lot of uh, some violent crimes since the time I think he was like 16 onto robberies and all these kinds of things. He, he was granted furlough. Uh, keep in mind that some people will argue during this bank heist situation that we're about to talk about that at the time Sweden, this was 1973 was pushing the limits to try to be a bit more progressive, to try to be a bit more open-minded with things. And so some people's argument is that the way this went down is because of those laws because of the way that was going. Uh, You can decide for yourself, but regardless, Olsen Olsen was on furlough from prison. And when he was on furlough, what do you think he did? He ran. Okay. Uh, So he runs, this is August 23rd, 1973. And he goes into what's called the credit banking credit, credit bunking, um, in normal strong Stockholm. And he attempted to rob this bank. Now, an officer was um, shot 
in the hand and I believe part of the face as Olson was coming in. Outside of that, no one else was harmed during this heist. All right. So Olson runs in, got what they call a submachine gun under his trench coat, using a fake American accent, yelling, let's start this party. Like, I like him already. So. Hey, let's start this party. (laughs) I like cheeseburgers and French fries. (laughs) Guns up. Giddy up, um, y'all. Giddy up. So he, uh, the picture that I sent you that's like a tall, slender dude walking with, I think, police around him, that's uh, Jan Eric, if you want to show it. And he is the original, um, uh, he's the original guy that comes in to rob the bank. So he gets there, uh, like I said, one officer was injured when he opened fire, but that was, I say that was it. The other, no, no, not him. The one walking. Yeah. So if you're looking. Yeah, that's it. If you're looking at the uh, screen now, or if you're just listening, there's a guy. He's got a stash. He's got a button down shirt on some jeans. He's just chilling, casually walking out with a bunch of people with gas masks as he's being escorted out of the bank to be apprehended for this robbery. So that is Eric Olson. He also... He shot the one police officer in the uh, in the hand, but the other police officer he ordered to sit in a rolling chair and sing. <laughs> he made him sing songs. <laughs> what do you think, he had think him that's sing? amazing. Um, you know, I'm a slave. I, I it's gonna bug me. I will. Yeah, right. It's gonna bug me because I did. Uh, that was part of one of the stories I read was it told only one of the stories I read out of a lot of these told what song, but it did tell. And it was actually a bit comical. Um, so he then takes four of the bank employees hostage. All right. So we have um, like a Brigida, Elizabeth, Kristen, and Sven. So it's three females, one male. He then gets on. So we're showing a picture now of inside the bank vault. Um, that's, you can see, I think, at least three of the employees and then a man standing there. The man standing there is someone else we're going to talk about in a minute named Clark. Um, so check this out. Uh, Jan Eric Olson gets on the phone with police negotiators. They get there pretty quickly uh, upon him getting in there and shooting the first officer. He has some demands. So he demands three million in Swedish kronor, that's their currency. When you look it up as of today's value, that would be around 300 grand USD uh, inflation and things have kind of changed that a bit, but just to give you an idea. That's what he requested. Two guns, bulletproof vests, helmets, and quote, a fast car, to which they replied with with supplying him with a Ford Mustang. Uh, he also demanded that his buddy Clark Olofsson, so that's the gentleman you saw standing in the bank vault a minute ago, be brought there as well. Now, Clark is an interesting character here. Clark and Eric met each other in while in prison together. Clark was there for some other robberies, some other things he had done. 
So when Eric was on his, like had his furlough time before he, like he left and before he ran and decided to rob this bank, he actually tried to help Clark get out of jail. Clark had some dynamite that he was responsible for igniting and, and blowing up and, Eric was going to be there to get him out and escort him away and be the getaway driver. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't able, it was a dud essentially. It wasn't able to be, um, it didn't explode. Didn't work out for Clark. He stays in prison. So now that Eric's at the bank and he's got these demands of the money, gun, helmet, fast car, he wants Clark to be brought out of prison to be in this bank with him. Clark's like, yo, don't wrap me up so, in this shit. So basically, Yeah. Well, so Clark's like, let's go, like, let's start the party, right? So they allow Clark to come. They go get Clark out of prison, put him in this bank with this other dude, supply him with everything he asks for. The their only authority's only um, constraint to this would be that he would not be allowed to leave with the hostages if they supply him with the car. That's pretty much it. Here are all the things you just can't take them with you if you go, basically. Um, and he had wanted to take them with him. So he gets them all, the four of them, plus himself and Clark, and they go into like an internal bank vault. That's where he has them for a while. At some point, he gets on the phone. Um, he's talking to the prime minister. He's talking to, you know, higher ups within the, the legal chain there. Um, so... I just can't. Uh, so one of the hostages, Kristen and Mark, said that she felt safe with Olson and Olafson, but she feared that the police might escalate the situation using violent methods. So when we talked about Stockholm Syndrome and what that means, number one, they did feel the comfort with these guys. And really, it didn't take too long for this to be the case with them. But it was like they felt comfort with them, but they also didn't seem to trust the local police. They thought that they were going to harm them, the hostages, um, during trying to release them or apprehend the robbers. All right. So <clears throat> Olson, so that's Eric. I'll just call them by their first names. It's a little bit easier since their last names are so similar. Eric called the Swedish prime minister who is named Olaf Palm and said that he would kill the hostages. He backed up his threat by grabbing one of the women and kind of like a chokehold. She screamed. He hung up the phone. So the prime minister just hears that and fears that they're in danger, right? Well, then the next day, that hostage that I was just telling you about, Kristen, she herself called the prime minister and said that she was very displeased. She called him. I don't have it in front of me right now, but the transcript's kind of funny. She called him by first name, and she said that she was very displeased with his attitude, and she wanted him to let the... Um, the robbers and the hostages leave, but it was interesting. Her, her verbiage was interesting because she said that she felt safe with, how did she say it? She said something like, I feel safe with Olafson or Clark. I feel safe with Clark and the robber. Clark is the one who came out of prison to like assist in the situation. So it's funny. She didn't associate him with being a bad guy or a robber, right? So that was Clark. And she said, I feel safe with Clark and the robber. And she's saying essentially, like, let us go and let them go and don't arrest them. Like, we're all good here. So then this just keeps getting better and better. Um, so Did then she like being Clark, a bit? <laughs> Clark, 
Clark walks around the I vault. I feel like if that was singing. you and he was like, he grabbed you by the neck and like, you're like, oh, why? You're all like scared. And then he was like, yeah, so meet these demands or else. And then he hangs up the phone and lets you go. You would be like, oh, oh. Well, that was, are we going to revisit that? <laughs> Maybe make another we'll one of those it. phone so calls. The old prime minister. Okay. Show the show the picture of the guy with the the scar on his eyebrow. At the record show. So he's the one. He's the one that was let out of prison to come assist. That's Clark. All right. Damn. What's so up, Clark? this. Right. So this fella's walking around singing, <laughs> Roberta Flax, "Killing Me Softly." <laughs> That's my kind of guy, dude. These are my kind of criminals. Killing me I mean, softly <laughs> with his son. Killing me softly. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, here's the deal, though. This goes on for days. So, they eventually, they have them hostage in this vault for six days total. All right. Oh, so... God. Uh, they hook up. Yeah, it's a long time. So they. Do you think they hooked up in that six days? They have not. There's not any reports of that. There's no reports of that. I don't what do think, you think so. It's a long time without sex. I don't think they did. I don't know if I could go that long. Um. So check this. So on August twenty sixth. The police start to drill a hole into the vault. The way they're doing that is because there was actually an apartment that someone lived in over the bank. So they go into this apartment, drill a hole down into the vault. Well, as they're doing that, <clears throat> uh, that's how we start getting some of those photographs that we have there with them in the vault. So on two occasions, they drilled the holes into the top of the vault and um, Clark put his gun into the hole and would just shoot up. So like they kept trying to do it and he would just put his gun up there and shoot into the thing. And so everything was fine. I think one officer had his hand uh, damaged from that, but, but outside of that, anyway, so it's kind of like, it reminds me of something from like Tom and Jerry. I don't know. There's like drilling a hole and then the gun and boop. And like, they just keep doing that, you know, a little flag, um, a little flag comes up. It says, Bang. yeah. Like, la, 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 la. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So he did, uh, Eric, the original guy, fired his weapon. He threatened to kill the hostages if any gas attack was attempted. Regardless, eventually on August 28th, um, on the sixth day, police did use tear gas and Olsen and Olufsen surrendered after an hour. No one was harmed in this other than just tear gas injuries in the moment. But when this was happening, the hostages would say things like, uh, you know, like, let them come out with us, let them come out safe. And that's a picture you see. That's why everyone's wearing a gas mask that had come in to get them. The The hostages wanted to walk out with them. They wanted them, Eric and Clark, to be released, not to be arrested. So this gets interesting because they were both convicted. And Clark, oh, two-time eyebrow over there, at first was sentenced to extra prison time. If you remember, he was already in prison. So he was sentenced to extra prison time. But he said his claim was that he had not actually helped Eric through this. He had only tried to save the hostages and keep things calm. And he was later acquitted. So he only had to serve the remainder of what he was already in there for. 
Um, get this though. He goes on to meet old Kristen. If you remember, Kristen is the one who was disappointed in the prime minister. He goes on to meet Kristen several times. He winds up having a family. She does as well. And their families meet. They become friends. And he also committed several more crimes after this. Um, so then Eric, the original robber, was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Um, but he received many, many letters from women who found him attractive. He later did get engaged to a woman Um I guess he committed some more crimes as well. Uh, he was on the run for many years for some other financial crimes. And finally, he turned himself into police just back in 2006. Um, but when he did, really? he turned himself in because he was tired of being on the run. Yeah, listen. So he turns himself in in 2006, tired of being on the run. And the second he does, they were like, oh, yeah, we're not actually actively pursuing that anymore. You're good. <laughs> You're fine. Oh. <laughs> So I feel like that this was that like what whatever they have going on in what what is what country is this? Sweden. I feel Sweden. like that's what we're going through right now. Where everybody loves the criminals and just wants to stick it to the man. So everybody's just that's like on the side of the criminal. Right? You know what I mean? Like I feel like because you started mm -hmm. out the story with um they were letting him out on furlough because Swiss was going through right. like a kindler, gentler type thing. So I think like the people like just didn't, you know, it's like, it's like our people now it's like, Oh, you want to commit crimes? That's okay. Like you just didn't have good parents and you know, you don't, you shouldn't be in prison. And like, we understand that you're going to keep committing crimes and you know, but, but Hey, if you want to choke me, like that's cool. That was fun. Huh. Yeah. Please don't, don't please know. don't choke me again. That would, Really make the government upset if you choked so, me. So listen, you good? You all right? Mm -hmm. You passed it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there have been books written about this. There have been docu series, and there was actually a Swedish Netflix movie called Clark uh, back in I think twenty two that was uh, put out. I've not I've not watched that one, but uh, that again kind of re-up some interest in this case but super interesting so that's why it was originally coined uh uh excuse me the normal storg syndrome that was the that was the area of town where this bank was uh it was later to be known as stockholm syndrome there was a criminologist named nils uh, i don't know bejerot 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 um who studied this and uh because the authorities were blown away it was the first time they had known of uh, victims, you know, the hostages to feel this way toward their captors. I mean, they unanimously all were, you know, even the, even the guy, the hostage, you know, that was a man, it wasn't just the women. They, they unanimously wanted uh, good things to happen and these guys not to go to prison for it. So it was interesting. Yeah, I don't think to it's a Stockholm leave. syndrome. I think it's like an anti fucking government syndrome. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure like, Honestly, like I can see shit like that happening right now in the United States. It has nothing to do with a syndrome. It just has to do with like people love criminals right now. People like people are always going to side with the bad guy in this situation. I mean, it's like it's insane right now. It's one of the guys in the chat said, so the victim slash hostage were upset with police because the police were trying to stop the criminals. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Does it? Sound well, I, I well, I agree that that would sound familiar in that context. They they seem to not trust that the police were going to do it without them being harmed. They seem to think right. that they, the hostages were going to be harmed. 
You know what I mean? Not because they were right. necessarily just like hated on the police. They didn't think that they were doing a great job of trying to get them out. Um, Olson, in a twist of events, Eric Olson did has expressed uh, remorse over this heist, which I, I'm not super surprised about because it says in 96, he had moved to Northeast Thailand with his wife and son, moved back to Sweden in 2013. But if you remember, I said in 2006, he tried to turn himself in for this and were for other crimes, I mean, and uh, they didn't they didn't charge him. They weren't pursuing them. So it does sound like he tried to turn himself in. He's trying to just raise his family, do his thing. He did write a book as well. Um, so, yeah. So what's interesting about Stockholm Syndrome is it is not in the DSM-5. We refer to that sometimes. Um that's the like a diagnostic book of excuse me mental disorders. Uh, so a lot of the things we talk about will be in the DSM. This is not. It's not technically regarded as a mental health disorder. Uh, and then some people claim it is or Do isn't you think, real. Is there other cases? Is there other cases where people fall for their captors? Yep. So that's what we're going to talk about. There's multiple ones. We're just going to touch on like three or four, but there are many, many ones. And But here's what, you can look at it as a few different things. I think that um, you can consider it a mental disorder or you can consider it coping, just intrinsic coping, whether you're consciously doing so or not. Something like it's it's not the same. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, last night. It's not the same I understand as like, let's say if you're a POW, it's not that you're feeling feelings necessarily of admiration for your captor or you're not beholden to them or feel a bond to them. However, you're, you, if you're going to be in a survival mode with that, if you're not going to give up or do, if you're going to actually try to push through and survive, you do things that you're not necessarily even aware that you're doing, right? Counting rocks, making work for yourself, making piles of sand with your hands, whatever you're doing, it's all coping. I think that this can be looked at as a coping behavior. So now whether you want to call that an acute mental disorder in the moment, maybe, um, but like a coping mechanism, absolutely. And I don't think it's intentional. And in fact, some of the survivors have said such as that, that it's, uh, it's mechanical. It happens without you realizing it. And it's literally just, it's almost like you're outside of yourself, almost a dissociative type thing. And it's just to get through to the next thing, to the next moment to survive. So, um, I think that, absolutely can happen. I mean, if you're under that much duress, not necessarily these hostages, right? In in that moment right. in the bank, if they didn't feel that threatened, but in some of these other cases we'll talk about for sure, there's got to be some way. And I think your mind can't always handle or process what's going on. Six days is a long time, man. That's, that's a long time to be bored. In a bank vault. Sure they weren't hungry. I'm sure they got, they were fed pretty well, but they got food. Well, he asked for a lot. He had a lot of money. Remember they, right. yeah. they gave him what he wanted. Yeah. But I mean, that's still, it's a long time to sit in a bank and be bored to death. Well, it sounds like he was singing. Okay, playing a couple I games. Well, yeah. You want to play Truth or Dare? I, I dare you to yeah. choke me. A little, little like spin the bottle with like a roll of quarters. Yeah. You know? Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, so it, here's some other definitions about it, but like, uh, the victims may begin to feel affection or sympathy. That's what we're going to touch on is the sympathy for their captors. They may try to protect them out of a sense of loyalty. They can feel heartbroken when they're separated from their abusers. They may resent or be afraid of law enforcement. 
their rescuers and anyone else who has tried to help them escape, meaning even sometimes their families once they're back home, which <clears throat> is bizarre, but true. Uh, so let's get into it. I think one of the earlier known famous cases of Stockholm syndrome after the bank situation that just happened would be Patty Hearst. So this went down in 1974. I probably, a lot of you guys are, <clears throat> excuse me, are familiar with this. She was the granddaughter to publisher. Well, William Randolph Hearst, uh, super, super wealthy, ton of money in this family. Uh, and on February 4th of 1974, some men who were armed broke into her apartment. This is a really bizarre little story we're going to touch on. Uh, beat her and her boyfriend uh, pretty badly and kidnapped Patty. They later identified themselves as part of a terrorist group called the Symbionese Liberation Army, which is referred to as the SLA. <clears throat> it has to do with politics and capitalism and weird stuff was their platform uh they report they they i guess in essence were supposed to have taken her for like a political uh financial leverage she lived with them for over a year um they raped her beat her mm -hmm. tortured her she was very isolated she eventually decided to join them though uh, she wanted to become a revolutionary, it says. So she then started taking place in these bank robberies with them. She traveled around the country with them. She helped promote their propaganda. Um, and in 1975, she was finally captured by the FBI. I don't have that picture uploaded. I'll try to do it tomorrow. I, if I remember correctly, she's wearing like a skirt and some boots. She's got a gun in her hand. It's it's bad, but it's kind of cool. Um she Super was ultimately, she was sentenced to 35 years. It was dropped to seven years. Um, so when she was arrested, she only weighed like 80 something pounds. Uh, it, they said that she had a low IQ and was a low affect zombie. That's what um, a doctor went so far as to describe her as. So with her, they consider this more of what they would consider a classic case of uh, brainwashing. Uh, anyway, her sentence after I think like two years was commuted, Jimmy Carter commuted her sentence. She was freed. She went on to marry, have children, and then she went on to be an actress. She was in plenty of movies. But uh, yeah, so that's one of the earlier known cases. And that was just a bizarre one because like I said, she came from all this money and all this stuff and she had some opportunity to flee but decided on her own to be a part of their uh, mission, if you will. Uh, well, I mean, when like you're, when you're you a lot of captive in those times, like they, one, they can, right. They can keep you up for a long time, but then, then they can start to like indoctrinate you. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that was why they created Seer school. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and, but not, you know, not so much the survival part, but the resistance part was all because the number one reasons why POWs didn't want to come back was because they felt embarrassed of how they acted in captivity yeah. and, and, and that's a true, that's a true thing that that can yeah. really happen. They're going to make you do things or make you say things that you don't want to say um, for preservation of life. But then once you've done that, you can't take it back in your own brain. So a lot of the times, like, you know, Hey, you, one of the big ones was uh, they made them build a fighting position. Well, these guys were like, well, we can't build a fighting position because you're going to hide behind it and kill Americans. And they're like, bitch, you're going to fucking build that fighting position or you're going to go 
uh, you know, to the rack or you're going to go to the box. And, you know, a guy can only go to the box so many times before he goes, you know what? Fuck it, dude. I'll stack those sandbags and I'll do it with a smile on my face. And then they do it and they pack those sandbags. And they make that fighting position. Well, now you're fucking now you're, you're the enemy. Because you just built something that's going to kill yeah. Americans. You assisted. And, and so the, it's easier for them to join their captors and then just believe what they're fighting for and be like, you know what? Yeah, the, these are the good guys. Those are the bad guys. They shouldn't have come. They shouldn't have been coming to try to, to get us anyway. Fuck those guys, you know, because it's justifying it in their brains. But that's a way different than being stuck in a bank for six days. Yeah, we're yeah, we're off the bank. I mean, the, with the situation with Patty, she was isolated and raped and tortured. And I can see this happen to Patty. You know, you know, and this you, was a this was a terrorist type organization. So they literally had right. it's 1974. Propaganda right. was wild. Like it's it's yeah. a very perfect scenario, like what you were just talking about. Right, and then like you know, obviously you know, like rape is like a huge traumatic thing too, right? It's right. like, <laughs> you know, now you've you've given up your, uh, right you know, your goods. And now you're like, well, I'll just stay with these guys because I love them. Mm, I think what said that she, I mean, she said she wanted to be a revolutionary. We're going to turn the tide a little bit and talk about, you guys will probably remember all the, gosh, I can't believe it was 1991. How was it that long ago? Um, JC Dugard. Do you guys remember mm. her? She was 11 at the time. Um, she was kidnapped in front of her stepfather's eyes. Like a guy comes and gets her, throws her in the car, goes, he literally can't keep up as the car speeds away. We're not going to get into, there are a couple of these cases we're talking about tonight in reference to Stockholm that I will cover on the show in depth at another point, just to talk about the actual story of what happened to these women. Um, but she was 11 years old. All right. When she was taken, mm -hmm. She was held captive for 18 years. Right? I, I know this case. Pretty Remember well. this one? Yeah. Until 2009. Um, this man, Greedo and his wife, Nancy, they. Didn't she have I a couple mean, of babies? Right. Mm -hmm. So they abused her, imprisoned her, obviously all the things you can imagine. Uh, she lived in a shed in their yard for a, most yeah. of this time, a good chunk of this time. And this is an interesting one because we, there, and that's why I say I want to touch, I want to talk on the um, Stockholm Syndrome portion of this, but I want to actually cover this case at another time and go into it in, in much more depth. But there were different times authorities had been called out for things, like, but they had no reason to know that she would be there in their backyard in a shed. Like, she wasn't connected to them in any kind of way otherwise. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh so she father or she mothered, excuse me, two children of his during this time. Um, they were, of course, no medical care. You know, she gave birth on her own. Uh, they were never allowed to go to school. Uh, she did what she could to school them um, in, in the shed. She did have access to some TV. She would give them educational shows, this and that. Uh, many uh, doctors, many psychiatrists do think that because she for his children that increased the uh, level or the um, uh, increased the likelihood, excuse me, that she would uh, have Stockholm syndrome with him. Uh, she started to view it as a marriage type situation. Uh, so she eventually, he, he allows her, and we see this a lot in these kinds of cases where someone's held captive for so long. He starts allowing her little by little more and more freedoms, right? 
So he starts letting her help him with his business, answering calls and emails. Um, finally, there were some suspicions. Some people had kind of, some neighbors had seen activity of her, like in and out of the home or in and out of the yard. Uh, police do come. They come to investigate and get this. She first introduced, she doesn't immediately run to them. She doesn't leave. She doesn't say who she is. She actually says her name is Alyssa, I believe. Yeah. And said that, uh, which he had given her that name. She said that she came to his defense and she said, yes, he's a known, like the police came there on the, with suspicions and knowing that he had been a previously convicted sex offender. So she said that, uh, yes, while he had been, he is no longer that. He's a changed man. Her name is Alyssa. Um, he's good with her kids, in quotes. Uh, you know, he, he's been reformed, all these kinds of things. And she was pretty defensive with authorities, and she lied multiple times to protect this guy. Um, she said she was staying there while she was hiding from her abusive husband. That's uh, the story she gave. Uh, and then one... It said, so Allie Jacobs was one of the officers there, and it said that when she observed uh, Dugard's daughters, who were at that time, her daughters at this time now are 15 and 11. Jeez. Um, she said that they seemed to be brainwashed zombies, because God knows what these children were brought up with. Eventually, she revealed who she was. Um, the guy was arrested. She was reunited with her family, but she said later that she felt a deep emotional, these are her words, connection with him. Uh, later, she denounced his actions and said that she had she adapted to survive her circumstances. Uh, but when she first was separated from him, she had some she had a tough time. She yeah. she felt like she had an emotional connection with this man. I feel like all the women in my basement would miss me a little bit once they're gone Probably. from the basement. Be happy so to get some fresh air. They'd be happy to get some fresh air, but then they'd be like, "Man, you know, it wasn't so bad down there." Eric treated us nicely. I'm really glad you don't have a basement. <laughs> How do you know? You have to come over I and don't. see. You have to I come over know. and check it out. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, do whatever. Your house is the one that's creepy as fuck. You you literally have like, You got that creepy basement garage thing. It's not it's creepy. creepy. It's just I don't like. To I can hold there. a lot of captives in my basement. A lot. I could. Probably do. <clears throat> Why don't you come over and find out? All right. So, <laughs> in nineteen, 19- <laughs> just don't <laughs> choke me. You know, don't in choke. 19- don't. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. I'll cho- I'm gonna choke you with your own mullet. <laughs> Dude, I gotta be careful, man. Like. This mullet's given off mad vibes. You have been hit on so much lately. So many girls are like, I like your hair. Oh, I bet. Got it at the zoo yesterday. Girl was like, I like your hair. And I was like, you want to come see my basement? (laughs) Sean Kelly in the chat says that he lives in a basement. Well, oh, well. Your captor shouldn't let you on the internet. Because now you're giving that away. That was his mother's. His Sean was at your mother's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. As long so as there's a ghost not- in the basement, I'll fucking sleep in it. You can anyone. Anyone. Um, Kadeen, Kadeen, K. Powell. 
I mean, Kate Powell could uh, could hold me in her basement as long as there's a ghost. She bed said, down "No there. one has said that to you ever." <laughs> Man, fuck you, fuck you, Katie. Uh, Sarah Kelch, even though she's Russian, we don't like Russians right now. Um, if Sarah Kelch had a ghost bed in her basement, she could e easily lure me down there, Drew and said I would it's learn a den to like of her. inadequacy. I would learn to love her. <laughs> A den of inadequacy. Kadeen <laughs> uh, says I would be the last person that she would hold in their basement. I'd be a pretty cool guy to have in your basement, to be honest with you. As long as there's a ghost bed down there. Um, with the adjustable base so that I could change positions as I walk. And, a t you know, like a TV. Be cool, too. Uh, and look, it's no, I'm not asking a lot. As you are captive, I'm not asking a lot. Use the promo code WOLFPACK. Get that 35% off. Get me the ghost bed. Zero down, 0% zero financing. And that's if you have Kadeen, uh, if you have KPOW credit, uh, you can get one of these ghost beds. Uh, and it's it's got that cooling technology. So even if it's hot in your basement, I can stay hard while staying cool on a ghost bed mattress. Where's it made? In the good old USA. USA. Because I want to be captained. I really want to be captured by an American. I don't want to be captured by Russians or Chinese. Sarah Kelch, you're American, but you're Russian too. So gray area with that. But Falconator, you know, if Falconator wants to capture me, she's a good American, put me on a good American bed. Uh, mm -hmm. I could see myself falling into the Stockholm Syndrome game. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so <clears throat> changing gears. Uh, we're not going to talk about this one too much. It's pretty terrible. But in 1998, Natasha Campush, uh, she was 10 years old at the time, and she was kidnapped by two men. Uh, a severe case of Stockholm set in on this one for the next, they had her for eight years. So from the age of 10 until 18, uh, she, uh, not even going to get into all this, but she lived in a cellar under this guy, Wolfgang Pricklopal's garage. Uh, soundproof, windowless, it, as horrible as you can imagine is what it was. She was starved, abused in all kinds of ways, um, mentally tortured as well, uh, a lot of humiliation, a lot of crazy things. They kept her too weak to escape. She was often very, very hungry as well. Um, but eventually she was allowed to leave that cellar room and go into different parts of the house. Uh, she was told that... Um, that the windows and the doors were rigged with explosives and that they would go off and kill her if she tried to escape. She often had breakfast in the morning with him, uh, but he continued to do terrible things to her. Um, anyway, finally in August, it was 2006 when she was 18 and she had a chance to run. So he answered a phone. She was outside cleaning his car. And again, this happens a lot. Like they start to allow bits by bits, little more freedoms, right? She was allowed to clean his car out. He answered a phone call and left her unattended. And so she ran to a neighbor. She's been there for eight years, ran to a neighbor who contacted authorities. Um, soon after he, the police did come to him, uh, they got him. He was able to escape police protection and laid down on railroad tracks and was run over by a train. <laughs> good for him. Let's yeah, go. Um, Dude, but get let's this. Let's go. And then it derailed and put in toxins all over Ohio. Hey, we'll talk about that chickens. later. Uh, Tanner yeah. is getting ready for work. He says he's tuning in. He'll tune in as long as he can. Tanner, when you shut your phone off, it is rigged to explode. 
And this show is going to go on for another eight years. So, yes. So check this out. He'll find you. Good night, Tanner. Have a good night. Um, She was very affected by his death. Uh, She wept and wept. She spent hours alone with his coffin, which that's part of the story I didn't get in. I didn't dive into this case, but I don't know how or why she was able or allowed to be with this guy's coffin like was she not with her back with her family at this point i, I, I don't should, know when they really restraining order oh god like uh, i'm not sure why she was even there but how listen, old was she when she escaped 18 but she was i mean she was 10 oh. when he took her um but so listen it says for years and years after this happened she carried a photograph of him in her wallet um she hmm. openly admitted to grieving over his death uh, I, and the things when they go into the details of the things he did to her, it's n- nothing short of horrific. I mean, it's it's not like you know what I mean. Like he just like kidnapped her, and she just kind of helped clean his house and whatever. Um. Anyway, whew, that's so that is very much so what you would consider, you know, the diagnosis, if you will, of Stockholm syndrome. That's uh, right. But I mean, like you're 10, like that becomes like a daddy figure. And then you kind of betrayed your little daddy figure. So I could see how like yeah, that would be emotional. There's all kinds of ways up. to explain 10 to 18. These are formative years. Of course, there's yeah. so many things going on. Um, but I mean, she wept him for years, but I mean, he brutally did I mean, horrible. Like, how, horrible. Long are you gonna, how are you? How long are you going to mourn for me after I pass? Years, probably. If you ever get over it, you probably never get over it. I'll give it six minutes. Things. <laughs> Longer than six minutes. Yeah. Like 12. I'll meet you at eight. For 12. Eight right. minutes. So. Like you'd miss me a lot, though. The smell can I do this show by myself? You'd miss me too much. You get Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> Could I do it by myself with a picture of you on a split screen? No, because you'll run away. Tell somebody. <laughs> Don't let me clean out your car. Um, <laughs> one of the more recent, uh, more recent and well well known kidnappings in recent. It, current times would be elizabeth smart you guys remember her yeah um it's interesting so this happened in 2002 this is why i guess i always kind of get her a little bit mixed up with jc dugard when i think about them because they were around the same time elizabeth was 14 at the time um this guy uh brian david mitchell in utah he so they hiked to a campsite this guy introduced her to his quote wife um th- whatever they, they they take her um he pro- he performs some sort of like a marriage ceremony then does all kinds of things to her his wife is a part of all of this uh, yeah like how is all these wives getting in, un- involved in that because well, have uh, you seen the pictures of these what? wives usually oh they right. they look crazy uh but i mean like uh, remember um dennis perkins yeah, I mean, his wife was born. Yeah, like, yeah. I, dude, I, I just I can't imagine like getting 
get my wife to to do anything like that. It was hard enough to get her to do a threesome with me with four other guys. <laughs> with four other guys. Best threesome I've ever had. That's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> Your math was better on the other show we did. When you did a whole thing, you figured out someone's age based on a year. This is terrible math. Best threesome I ever had was with my wife and four dudes. And four other guys, awesome. yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, seriously, like <laughs> these motherfuckers, like the most manipulated like dudes on the planet. You're like, yo, hey, babe, kind of attracted to you, but I'd really like to go get this 14 year old girl do like a little so, wedding ceremony. It'd be nicer than the one that we had. The, listen, now the Dennis Perkins case, we're going to separate that for a minute. But these people, when you the people with the uh, JC Dugard and Elizabeth Smart, the if I'm not, I think it was the Elizabeth Smart one who looked, the dude looked straight up homeless and so did his wife. Like these people looked 100% unhinged. So this dude wasn't raking in a wife that was of mm. sound mind and behavior. Like gotcha. he was going to get the woman who was, you know what I mean? Who was going to do these things right. with him. Like she, she couldn't yeah. have been, you know, level. I can't to find be me a crazy story. girl like that. I don't know. Mine just keeps know. making babies. Well, I don't want babies. I, want, I don't want to like have babies. I want to kidnap babies. Okay. My enough. ride or die. Enough. My ride or die. I want my. I want to be. I want. I want my Jizz Lane. Oof. Oh God, that's what all these women are. So listen. Mm-hmm. Um, he turned her into a very submissive uh, prisoner. Uh, a lot of psychological abuse, violence, threats against her family. Still, as time went on. Um, but eventually they started letting her go on outings with them. Um, she was questioned by the police once. Someone, I think, thought that they looked a bit suspicious with her. She did not reveal her identity, though. Does this remind you of J.C. Ducard? Um, she mm. never once tried to escape during all these outings. He moved him to California for a while, back to the East Coast, back to Utah. Finally, <clears throat> Um, they were recognized in Utah. At this point, her face was all over news still, um, as a, you know, as a missing girl, she was rescued. She was returned to her family. So it took about seven years and they went on trial. She testified against them. Um, but she did admit to having multiple opportunities to escape. She didn't take them at the time. He was sentenced to life in prison. The woman got like 15 years, but later she said that she was terrified due to his threats. Again, it's the brainwashing. It's the, you know, how call it what you will, but mm-hmm. he's in her head. Um, she stated that the two threats against herself and her family were stronger than chains for her. Uh, she thought it was wrong and offensive for people to ask why she never ran when she had the chance. Um, so that's a questionable one. I'm not saying that that one is. Um, I mean, I think we're all going through Stockholm syndrome right now. Mm-hmm. I think the government is just, raping us repeatedly holding us down doing all these things and we're just we still stand up for it like all the time so like yeah we're still the best country ever though like we have free education what i'm basically a victim i'm basically elizabeth smart really that's not funny um anyway the only the last one would be that we were going to talk about is Mackenzie Phillips, who was the daughter of Papa, if you will, from the Mamas and the Papas, John Phillips. Um, the, basically, for decades, her father raped her, 
starting when she was a teenager, but into adulthood. They had this incestuous thing. He started doing drugs. Wasn't there, wasn't there an actor? Wasn't there an actor that had a daughter like this? Like he adopted like a 10 year old girl. Are you talking about Woody Allen? Yeah. Woody Allen. Didn't he do some shit like this? Oh, he married her. Yeah, and then he fucking married her. Oh, yeah, you think they weren't dating before she turned? They got married like right Mia when she Farrow, turned. And then he started the thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so weird. Yeah, tell me that shouldn't be fucking. Well, that is. I actually, I remember I made a post about that when the Epstein thing was first going down. And I, and I put like, this doesn't shock me. Look at Woody Allen. And I mean, I got like, that was like one of my first like social media posts that I ever oh, made. I where think people I remember actually, that. Like, where they actually were like def- like just <laughs> like people just like swarmed my comment I had like 150 comments they were like Woody Allen married his daughter at 18 and like all these people were taking like Woody Allen's side and I was just like my but response he was had like, adopted I'm so her. shocked that there are people <laughs> that actually think Woody Allen is a halfway decent are you fucking kidding me like I thought we all unanimously agreed that Woody Allen's a huge piece of shit I mean yeah, who, anybody who that marries with? their adopted daughter at 18 is a huge fucking piece of shit like there's no there's no love story where that's okay you're like oh but it wasn't his biological daughter shut the fuck up you sick you were sworn as an, as an adult to care for and nurture a child under your roof yeah. Yeah. you don't nurture them right up the aisle to to in a wedding dress right fuck out of here woody allen god bless that was disgusting Speaking of which, we're going to talk about lots of that stuff tomorrow because we got the Epstein list that's been dropped and mm. who's on it. It's, tomorrow's show is going to be insanity with dead leg uh, media, by the way. But yeah, yeah. so so this chick, she marries her her dad. No, they didn't get married, but there was. Um, they stay together through he, like. Well, what happened is he was feeding her drugs for years and years. Famous band back wow. in the day, right? The mamas and the papas. So he's doing drugs with his young daughter. Unfortunately, mm. this is not the only time that ever happened. However, when she was like 17, which is interesting too, because it, you know, usually with, uh, pedophilia usually is a younger, it's generally prepubescent, but if not younger, this is more just incestuous. Like, and so he developed a sexual relationship with her. This goes on forever. She gets married. It wasn't until she found out that she was, found out that she was pregnant and didn't know if the baby belonged to her husband or her father. Whore. That she, stop, that she <laughs> realized this was wrong. And then Gross, she said. dude, how did she get married? Like, how did her dad let her get married? She was fucking her dad the whole time. Well, I don't think that he cared if she was married or not. I think as long as what they were doing kept on. My God, man, what a sick but the point is she didn't understand that's more just like grooming and stuff it's her own father she didn't understand that i mean she would wake up from being passed out from like drugs that he had given her like she didn't understand that her dad was doing the wrong things to her i mean that's that's just 100% grooming you know yeah i mean Um, like and and then like the addition of drugs from like an early childhood yeah until she was an adult and it's like something kind of happened it's kind of like with the uh, i don't want to get in the weeds with this because good lord well this is another this is stockholm this is stockholm we could have done a whole show and i don't even want to wish i'd never watched it but leaving neverland on michael jackson Mm. talk about stockholm 
Holy cow. And it yeah, the whole country is Stockholm syndrome. Like the fact that we still play his music fucking drives me crazy. Listen, it took those boys, both of, well, there's multiple, but the two that were highlighted in the, in the documentary, it took them both and they interviewed their wives, which was very interesting to hear the wives takes, right? It took them both becoming grown men that were married and they both were raising sons and it took them to where their sons were the age that they were when these things started happening to them, seven, eight, nine, to remember what he had done. And then by looking at their sons, realizing how messed up it was to like, until that time he believed they, they both believed that Michael loved them and would tell them these things that, was just in their head. He, they really thought that the key was, that's a grooming, my friend. That's what happens. If people wonder how this happens to children, it's called grooming. He, they trusted him. He cared for them and he got in their head enough to where when he started little by little doing these things, they, they still, it took them to become an adult to realize those things he had done were wrong that it was not okay. And it took them both having children to see it. So kind of similar to Mackenzie Phillips, it took her becoming pregnant and then almost like turning on a light switch and just being like, whoa, whoa, like, and seeing her husband and thinking, wait a minute, this shouldn't be happening. That's how this thing, this, that's how these things happen. And that's what, uh, I don't know. But anyway, I, like, I remember like one of the first jokes I ever remember being told and I'm 39 years old or on my way to be 39. Cause somebody says in the chat that they are skeptical, but like if when I was, I must've been in like, I it was before middle school. This is like one of the first jokes I ever remember having um, and getting in trouble for saying this joke and didn't even know what it meant. But that's how young I must have been. But the joke was, what's what what uh, what does Michael Jackson and Kmart have in common? Kids pants half off. Oh, that's the first joke I remember telling and remember, you, you know, like. Like not so I must have been like fifth grade. Like and but yeah, I didn't understand it. But I, I remember saying that joke and people laughing like hysterically and me being like, Yeah, you know, and it wasn't until like there were sixth weird, or seventh grade that I understood. There was that, a lot of talk of it for a while before it became really serious accusations. And then I mean if you remember right, he had like a Like, like, like you know, like, like when, when Aaliyah child. got married, like Aaliyah got married at what, like sixteen? Yeah. You, yes, you know I what I mean? That. But that he had been fucking her since she was like fourteen. Well, there's a lot of that, unfortunately, that goes on. Well, right, you know, and oh, the Hollywood doesn't have a fucking problem. Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. And then her plane crashes, like, you know, like everybody else. I'm, I'm, I know thousands and thousands of people. Nobody's ever died in a plane crash, but all these people that have like some kind of weird ties to the government or some kind of ties to being a celebrity, they die in these random plane crashes. It's crazy, but uh Somebody said you age yourself with Kmart there. I do, yeah. But I mean that. I mean th those jokes are there for a reason. Like they were telling jokes when I was in the fifth grade about Michael Jackson being a pedophile. So it's like people knew it. People knew it. Like look at all the the the, the um, comic sketches. The Office. They make fun of him, kind of being a pedo. You know, like South Park's done some episodes. Like they they, they make these jokes because it's fucking true. Like it's real, you know. Uh, yeah. If you haven't watched that, I mean, I guess there's some differing opinions on it, or people who are still in the camp of somehow that that's, 
I can't. Yeah, but they also have the, the like like Hollywood also makes people think that Casey Anthony didn't fucking kill her daughter, like, or that OJ Simpson didn't kill Nicole. Like, get the fuck out of here, man! Yeah. Like, people are such sheeple. It's it's insanity to me. You know, if you haven't it's watched insane. that though, I would almost like they'll go with all these like mis conspiracies with something like um like all these coincidences that add up with. Uh, um, Casey Anthony or even mm-hmm. like with OJ it's just being like oh well, that's just a coincidence oh that's just a coincidence oh that's just a coincidence they can't put the totality together like those I, you know those are the same kind of people that, that don't tell you that you're crazy because you've questioned the vaccine you know right. like they'll, they'll, they'll question with all the evidence in their face that OJ probably didn't kill Nicole even though he 100% dead and then he admits to doing it but they're the, they're the same ones that see the same evidence with, with vaccines or heart related issues and just be like nope right those are just coincidences like fucking people are so stupid people did you like that so valentine stupid. today yeah oh i need to share that one you can share it. the fauci you stole my heart stopped <laughs> oh that is a great you one. stopped my heart oh you stopped my heart oh mm-hmm. my gosh yeah I was somebody sent that to me and I was like, oh gosh, you had to have that. You're fine. I mean, I don't know if you got it or not, but like, you know, they say anybody that's over 55 is good. So you're fine. Like, you don't have to worry about it. I just, just like whistled right on in there. (laughs) I was telling everybody yesterday that it was Ashley's 25th birthday. People were like, oh my God, you look great for 25. She does look very good. Well, I'm 36. So. No. All right. What you was got? a good show. No, it was a yeah. good show. I had a lot of people in the chats tonight. Everybody's very active. Uh, just over 75 people in the live chats on YouTube. Um, uh, we have Reginald Rutherford, Fulcanator, TJR. Uh, we had Chandor, Jake Farm. Um, man, Ted Leg Media, of course. Uh, Drew Breezy, Chris Dreyer, John. I mean, I'm not going to go through all these names. They're just you're 70 of you fuckers fucking Aider, micah uh k dean sarah couch um sarah who said she'd never heard of that before about woody allen yeah go look it up go look up the woody allen thing it's so great like magically on their 18th birthday they started loving each other and yeah. got married when she was 18 yeah if you um, sarah definitely please read on that and and don't just look at woody allen what's uh the other dude that made like clockwork was it clockwork orange um I forgot that guy, but he got convicted. Roman Polanski, he got convicted, uh, and yeah, on yeah. his he 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 was bonded out for or not bonded out, but he was like his pre um he was like able to like go and get his things in a fair before he had to report to prison for like twenty year sentence, and mm-hmm. he freaking beat feet to France. France held him there. He's still in France. He's still producing movies that we're still watching in the United States, and he was convicted and found guilty. Of like a shit ton of child molestation charges, and he's still making movies in France, and they won't send him over here. So that that Roman Polanski and Woody Harrelson, I mean, oh, not Woody Harrelson, Jesus, sorry, Woody Harrelson, Woody Allen, yeah, say Woody Allen, um, um, Epstein, if R, uh, um, R. Kelly, yeah, um, with Aaliyah, you know, like if all these things aren't like signs that Hollywood has a culture issue. We're talking about all this tomorrow, but you know. Well, I will touch on this because I've I've said it before, but like Drew Barrymore, Anna, she was 12, 12, going to Studio Fifty Four. 
Yeah, the, she was. She said she did her first run of blow at like eight. Yeah. So there are times when, um, or you know, someone put in the chats recently, like we had shared something that had Corey Feldman in it, and mm-hmm. and I get that he's quirky and eccentric and all that. I understand that. That would How, fuck you up, right? Like if you're getting molested. Right. So the guy in the diddled. chats was like. Yeah, the guy in the chats was like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll say like he's, you know, right off his rocker though. And I'm like, yeah, but I would be too. Because if from the small, the time of being a young child, I'm coming up in that industry with those people. So when, and I've mentioned this before to friends, but like, so, okay, for instance, my oldest, as a little guy had, you know, this round face and these giant eyes and this curly hair. And I was like, God you know, and, and, you know, you hear people say stuff or whatever. And like part of me, and if you guys do this, do your own thing, do whatever. But me personally, I would get a little thinking like, Oh, it'd be fun. Like, I don't want him in the industry, but it'd be fun to put him in like, like, you know, um, a magazine ad or something like that'd be fun. I think he could get, you know, he could do that. And the second I thought about it, I thought, Mm, mm, mm. because okay first of all the likelihood it's low it doesn't really happen that people just become famous off of print ads right but let's say let's say something happened and then somebody else is like hey what about for this role or for this commercial for that like and it turns in i want the farthest thing from any of that you know what i mean for for the kids and it's just like but so anyway the whole the Corey feldman talking about yeah, i mean like could you like, imagine being a kid Corey's age he said and, we said it the whole time we've always told you like no one has ever listened to me right and then and then on top of that they're like dude we'll fucking crucify you if you say shit like that we'll make you look like a crazy well, person you're like, i'm not a fucking dead. crazy person i mean yeah of course you're gonna be fucking crazy you know that, that shit drives you nuts like i, I believe Corey. I believe him. Man. I do too. And, and like, 100%. here's the thing: is like, you won't believe Corey, and that that's what that's what's killing me about Democrats right now, which is why I say it, because the Democrats will be the ones that stand up for Corey Feldman, or I mean, uh, stand against Corey Feldman. They're like, he's fucking crazy. He's fucking nuts. Like, why? It's, it should be a bipartisan argument here. Like, I don't this, know why politics got brought into pedophilia, pedophile bullshit. Yeah. But like, you know, you won't believe Corey Feldman and call him crazy. But you'll believe some bitch that said 35 years ago, this dude tried to solicit sex from me. I didn't give it to him. And then he asked me again and I felt uncomfortable. And you were willing to remove him from office for her saying she can't remember where the party was. She can't remember the address. And she has zero fucking witnesses. And we believe her 100%. But you're not going to believe Corey Feldman. And that's why it's like, well, it's not political. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's it's complete political. And I said, even from the beginning, if this dude did that, which one, I don't think 30 years ago and no sex took place. You, you have any leg to stand on, like, give me something more before we dethrone this guy's platform. But yeah, you know, if there is a rape, if, if Donald Trump rapes somebody, let's investigate it to the fullest. Like, let's get these people out. Let's hear their testimonies. Let's put it before a jury and let's make it, let's figure this whole thing out. I'm all for it. I don't yeah. want rapers or pedophiles in my fucking office, but parks and rec, the TV show, which is so true. I had to stop watching Parks and Rec because when I was working through Parks and Rec to build my distillery, it was like scary how similar that show was to the people that I was dealing with. And uh, in that show, they have all the characters that you see in local government. You have all the characters. Like you can literally yeah. go to that show and you can say, This girl is that role. I have that girl in our Parks and Rec office. That guy. He definitely has that role in this office. That's a great and they show, have though. the one dude that's the old creeper 
that's wanting to kiss or wants to make deals for a kiss, who's trying to grope her boobs and grab her ass. And he's just the old man. They all just kind of laugh it off. And she's like, I was just growing. And, and they make it a big joke, but it's, mm-hmm. they put it in that show because it's fucking real. Every political office has that creepy guy that's going too far. Those are the fucks that need to get the fuck out. And, you know, and the funny thing is in Parks and Rec, he's the head guy. He's like the mayor of the town. So, you know, the sleaziest dirtbag, even in this comedy TV show, is nailed perfectly. Just what we have for today. The guy, the creepiest old man, the oldest, creepiest guy in charge of America is also the biggest fucking creep bag. I I, I do really like Parks and Rec, though. I do, too. I, I mean, I watch it now, like, but, but and I mean, I watched it before but once i started working when i was trying to build my distillery and i was going down to the town office all the time i was like oh my god like i deal with every one of these personalities ron swanson all of them you know and that's what makes the show funny but like they didn't put the old creepy pervert in there because there's no old creepy perverts in town council what was uh chris pratt's band name mouse rat yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) Yeah, and then you had Jeremy Jam, who was also kind of a piece of shit. Um, he was more of like a lobbyist than a creeper, but he was just always lobbying for shit and mm-hmm. concerned about having bathrooms. No, the the old man, the the old man that always wants salad or has the same salad every night or some bullshit. Jerry? No, no, no. The old guy. He's like the mayor. He's 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 not like a, a main staple on the show. He just she's always has to go before him, and he's like, "Well, if you give me a, you know, I guess maybe uh, I can get you yeah. in for a." for a little kiss and you know when they were doing like the they needed they wanted to have a woman on the wall yeah they were you know she came in for day and he was like oh i dropped my fork <laughs> what was you the know, donkey's name little what little what's it little emmanuel what was bye name? bye little sebastian, sebastian. That's right. <laughs> we're gonna miss you in the satisfaction yes. <laughs> something like that oh now it makes me want to watch that again okay anyway all right little sebastian on. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Uh, Day, darling. I'll see you in my basement. All right. For some grooming. (laughs) I want to wear you. For some reason, when you said grooming, I'm picturing you like picking like bugs out of my hair like a monkey (laughs) would do. That's what it would be, too. I'd be like, come on down here, girl. I'm going to groom you. And then I've got like a brush. I'm just like brushing your hair. You're like, oh, my God. I'm gonna groom you real good, girl. I'll get all this lice out. Get the lint out of your ears. Oh gosh! And, all right. And then you're like, oh no! And then I get the lint out of your belly button, and then you're like really <laughs> scared because I'm by your belly button. You're not. And I'm like, good. okay, we're all done. Grooming's <laughs> over. I got it all. Cleaned it all up. And you're like, we're done here. Oh my god. <laughs> so oh. gross. Okay. Well, that's right. been fun. Glad that we just. All right. All right. Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And it's good to talk to y'all. And uh, we will talk to you soon, right, Larry? Yeah, right, Larry. Don't shut your computer off because it'll explode.